This is Michael Coe from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet, only on the No Phony Podcast Network. Welcome to Heroes Garage. This is a weekly podcast where we review shows and movies that show up on streaming services and even in theaters, as is the case today, as we will be reviewing the movie Tenet. And to do it, we had to pull in a special guest. So not only do we have Bill, our film critic, we also have Bill's friend, Mark. Hi, Mark. Oh, hi. Sorry. Yes. Hi. <laughs> he's He's there. He's there. So yes, Mark writes for a um, on a apologetics315.com, which is a Christian resource, and Mark is the Film River viewer for that. And uh, Mark, how long you've been with um, that uh, that um, blog? I guess is it a blog or resource? How do, how do yeah, you categorize it? Yeah, I've been it? with them since the beginning of 2019. I've been doing movie reviews before then, but or contribution, or stuff like that before then, but yeah, I've been with them since uh, right. spring of, early springish of 2019. Nice. Now the, now, the reason why we're bringing in Mark today, Tom, is Tom was unable to get to a movie theater with through these COVID times, right, Tom? That is absolutely true, and it kind of fits my whole motif to just sit in the comfort of my home and watch things on streaming services more than just going out to a theater as well. So, yes, that is absolutely correct. I have not seen this movie. And the funny part was is that I had no intention of going to the theaters either, but uh, we went and visited my son in college, and he wanted to go see Tenet with me. He already saw it once, and so I thought, well, why not? Let's go and let's do this. And so there was just a handful of people there, and uh, I got to see Tenet, and I knew Mark was able to see Tenet. Mark, you've been able to see a few movies um, at the show, right, through these uh, COVID times? Tenet was the third time I think I managed to go to the theater during COVID. Was it the one that was in first release, or was there other movies kind of like I, um, The first time I just went because I wanted to like get out, so I saw uh, Jaws again in theaters. Then I saw, I ended up seeing New Mutants, and uh, then I saw Tenet. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, and it seems like um, we're in shutdown again uh, mode ever since the theaters went on strike yeah. since... Uh, the new 007 movie was postponed nothing's to the spring, nothing's and nothing's coming out. Coming out. That's right. So that's kind of the movie-going experience during COVID times, Tom. 
Yeah, I noticed that they're shutting down theaters, too. Regal is shutting down over in Cantera, and who knows what else. AMC is still open, but like I said, there's nothing new out um, at all. Just Tenet and New Mutants, and that's about it as far as the big names go. Yeah. So what we'll do is here, I'll just remind our audience, we will stick to our outline so we have a rhythm to these reviews. First, we're going to go into a spoiler review, a spoiler-free, kind of a flyby of the story slash plot, and we'll give our opinions about whether we thought it was a good or not so good story. We'll transition over to characters and acting, then over to visual aesthetic and cinematography, and we'll end the review with entertainment value and ratings. So I'm going to turn it over to Bill. Bill is going to be actually leading this review since I haven't watched it. So I think it would be yeah. hard to fly blind, although I've I never <laughs> I never seen no. It's never challenge. stopped you, Tom. It's never stopped you. <laughs> yeah, just listen to our previous 160 podcasts. You'll know that that's absolutely true. We could find out which ones he are flying blind. So Tenet, um, it is a Christopher Nolan movie and uh, writer and director, and of course, uh, any of those who have known Christopher Nolan, he has a kind of affinity towards the science fiction fantasy with uh, Interstellar, Inception, even the prestige, I would say, kind of falls into that, wouldn't you say, Mark? Give or take, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you have Memento, which was incredibly, I think, his breakthrough film. And then, of course, his uh, marvelous uh, Dark Knight series, which were incredible and debatable to this day as being the actual best comic book movies. But we're not going to go into that today. But um, along the trend of Christopher Nolan's um, writing and uh, film credits, you know, I would say this is almost like the um, trilogy or trifecta of science fiction films, um, starting off with uh, Inception, going to Interstellar, and now landing here with Tenet. There always seems to be a single theme um, running through this and some kind of time travel, uh, dreamy type of reality. And um, definitely Christopher Nolan is dipping his toe into that. Now with the cast, we have uh, John David Washington, who made his uh, claim to fame in uh, Black Klansman, as well as the Baller series as Ricky Jarrett. So fans of that series could see him there. And, of course, Robert Pattinson um, kind of grown up here from the Twilight series. Um, it was good to see that he's uh, grown in his acting skills. We'll get definitely more to that later. Uh, then I get into Elizabeth Debicki and um, Kenneth Branagh is um, – more of the antagonist. Of course, we have to slip Michael Caine, kind of like his little uh, cameo in every Christopher Nolan movie. And so uh, it's always to have his actor in there. And so kind of get into the little bit of the story. The IMDB is um, synopsis. So if you haven't had a chance to read that or get to know what Tenet's about, it's armed with only one word, Tenet and fighting for the survival of the entire world. I always like when we are fighting for the survival of the entire world. It kind of makes for an action movie. A protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage. Now, wait a second. That's not fair. How did they use twilight in that? Oh, they've got to be using that on purpose. What do you think, Mark? Dropping twilight there because of 
the Patterson reference. Really? You're going to go there? Okay, fine. <laughs> um, wow. Um, right out of the box, we're commenting even how IMDb uh, describes the, the the movie. Okay, I'll keep going. It's not in, like, capital letters or just, like, you know, pun intended or anything, so... Anyway. It might be. It could have been in quotes. A Twilight World of International Espionage on a mission that will unfold into something beyond real time. I don't know how we could dive into this. Do we want to talk about the plot first? Do we want to talk about the story? Because in all these Christopher Nolan-type films, he has definitely a, a um, blueprint of style of creating these movies. I think we get into definitely the science fiction uh, realm of time travel in a unique way of how he likes to play with those type of theories, wouldn't you say, Mark? Yeah, um, and also, you know, as was discovered, like, last year when, you know, we were at movie theaters last year, um, when, you know, I was thinking back to Avengers Endgame, um, when, you know, they had to deal with time travel as well, too. I'm assuming I'm not ruining anything for anyone. Everyone's seen no. it. They had to do their own spin on time travel just as Tenet has to. I won't go too far into it with ruining it or anything, but, you know, they were talking about how time, like in Endgame, they were talking about how time travel movies of the past were just not accurate or whatever. Um, so they had to do a different spin on it, and that's kind of what Tenet has to do as well, too. Which I yeah. thought, for the most part, it did fairly well, at least, being its own originality. Yeah, I would have to say, it's um, Tom, this is where Christopher Nolan just outdoes himself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Inception, when... And, and I think this is uh, kind of his, uh, like I said, the way that he authored these films, is when you look at it Inception... And where it's all about dreams and the way dreams are on dreams and how you can act within dreams and then you can get lost with them in the reality. Um, that was, that was really interesting, uh, way of looking at dreams. And then we went to Inception, which was more of along the line of a, a physics type of, um, way of time travel. Um, you know, understanding black holes. He obviously took a lot of you mean interstellar. liberties. You mean interstellar. Interstellar, I'm sorry. Interstellar yeah. was definitely, yeah, interstellar had, yeah, interstellar was more space oriented and um, kind of working with that medium. And now you're right, Mark. Tenet is another creative part of how to look at time travel. And it's something that he invented, I would say. I don't know if it's a common practice of time travel but uh i think when you have some a science fiction anybody who likes science fiction movies and interested in time travel there's a way that christopher nolan takes a concept and then builds an end story uh completely around it and that's what he does in tenet that's hmm. interesting because i think time travel is a, a here's one of my favorite words trope or MacGuffin <laughs> that Often that becomes word. a abyss where a lot of nonsense gets packed into it, and it's nice to hear that we have a time travel movie that hasn't completely destroyed the story <laughs> in the process. <laughs> there, that's my comment, Bill. <laughs> well, you have to chime in sometime, Tom. 
Yes. <laughs> you were gonna say something, Mark? Uh, no, no, not nothing offhand as far as the yeah. Time I, I, of yeah, I mean, I I think we all like time travel movies, but like you said, it, it becomes it could be something that's overdone, um, overused. Um, but there's you know there's creative ways of still using it within the story. Um, this one. It, and how he he hits the ground running in this. Let's let's just this, say it this way: he's not really wasting time getting into the plot and even explaining how he does time travel. And I think that's the the biggest thing that can confuse audiences right away in this story is if you haven't seen it already, you you got to buckle up right away. Um, you got to strap yourself in because it is on full throttle. And going from just the introduction to the movie and then to the thrust of the body of the movie, you have to hold on and hang on because he's not going to spoon feed you anything here that um, helps you understand what's going on. You, It is all um, relied upon uh, with the viewer. He's not explaining much. He explains bits and pieces later on in the film to understand exactly the concepts that are unfolding along with the actor, uh, the protagonist uh, of the of the film. But yeah, he's not he's not uh, waiting for anybody. He's he's got a goal, and uh, it's all hands on deck. Wouldn't you say, Mark? Yeah, there's very little time to breathe at all. Or if you're in the theater, you know, walk outside for a second because there'll be a if you think they're, you're going to be like, oh, I'm just going to go out and use the restroom like during a time where it settles down. There are not that many of those. It's very, very octane, octane, octaney, I guess you can say. I can't think of another word there. Yeah, well stated. You sounded like Bill for a minute. <laughs> Making up my words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah. It's what film reviewers viewers do. We make up our own words, Tom. Absolutely. How else are you supposed to reach that? Contextualize your uh, your observation and, and make it your exactly. own. With, exactly. You know, I, I make up my own words every every episode when I try to pronounce the first and last names of the <laughs> stars, directors, and writers of said property. <laughs> so it sounds like the the pacing of this is actually one of the highlights. What is out? I'm hearing that the pacing is really good. I, I, yeah, for certain people, I, I mean, some might find it too fast, but yeah, it's very consistent, I guess. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, some viewers may have a, a trouble um, within the movie overall because it doesn't sit you down and say, okay, um, what you're about to see right here is this, and this is the concept that we're using, and this is how time travel is actually being used here. No, it just, it's rush, 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 rush. And if you don't really pay attention, it, it's going to come at you real fast. And it's like you're in warp drive. You remember in the Star Trek where you would be, or Star Wars, you'd be in warp drive, and all of a sudden the stars are just blurring on the sides? That's Life how this movie could tend to be. There are clues within this. And um, it's almost like, you need a red arrow to pop into the screen and saying, this is the clue. Mm-hmm. This is the clue right here. And, oh, this means something. Pay attention to this. 
because he does call certain aspects out of the story for you to understand. And in order to do that, uh, he, it's almost as if you, you're, you're trying to hold on to something that you just saw and you have to let it go because something next is about to happen. And um, it's just a frame of mind that you have to be in with this movie. I, you know, I've heard that people have seen this a couple of times just to understand what they, yeah. yeah, what they saw within the movie to clearly understand it. Um, but that storyline is enjoyable because of what exactly is happening and how time travel is being used is is really original. It's going to be capturing everybody's attention if you're paying attention. <laughs> I guess that's what I tried to say. And if you don't pay good enough attention, you're going to be like, huh, what just happened there? Christopher Nolan, when he's on, he's on. And uh, this is one of those that I, I think, Mark, if you agree or not, is he's taken this type of fantasy science fiction to a whole different level. This is, you know, when you go into Inception, uh, Inception, I thought wasn't as complicated um, interstellar because there was a lot of time travel and space. There were some things that were um, that weren't that complicated, but there's some things that are complicated. This one I would say is full on complicated. And uh, he spent well, uh, a lot yeah. of time, a lot of time on the script on this. Yeah. And yeah. And it should be noted that that's him who is at least again, according to IMDb is the main writer if not the only writer of this so this is definitely his movie also yeah because it I, I said when i reviewed it you know if you saw inception and were like that wasn't for me then that's sadly going to be the case for tenant too if you thought you know i'm thinking of family members right now who were like what was inception about i'm like yeah then you don't want to see tenant but i mean <laughs> you know um I'm not trying to say it's bad. It's true. Yeah. No, it's true. It true. Yeah. For sure. No, you're you're on attack because this is this is uh, I mean to use your word, um, it, it's it's like a turbocharged and mm-hmm. um, it, it it is just on a science fiction level, Tom. It's it's um, it's on a higher level than I think that I have seen in a long time. Maybe maybe Interstellar, honestly. I would say that would be the net, the last movie that was a little as complicated. So, all right, so let's move on to uh, characters and acting. Who blew it out as far as actors, Mr. Bill? Oh, I definitely loved uh, John David Washington. Uh, he played the protagonist in there, and that's his character's name is the protagonist. Uh, to me, he was just dynamite. Uh, very slick. Very um, man. He was. He played, I would say, the the part that I could see Christopher Nolan wanting this character to play. And, uh, man, he was on. He was strong. He was forward. He was serious. And um, he had, I would say, Mark, a, kind of like a 007 feel to him. That's how I felt mm-hmm. that his character was. Yeah, I think um, definitely with his acting, because this is uh, his second as you said, his second main role after Black Klansman. And when I saw that, too, I mean, obviously, you know, for those who don't know, he is the son of Denzel. Um, he There are definitely times where you can, there are times where you can, like, hear in his voice the Denzel in him, 
But then there are other times, too, where you can see he's definitely blossoming into his own original self as well. And, yeah, I mean, it, it he does fit it, like, wonderfully. It, it shows that Black Klansman was not just, like, a one-hit wonder for him. He definitely right. will be seen going forward and could be his own original self, not just being known as Den- Denzel's son. Right, right. I agree, hundred percent. Now, what do you think about Robert Pattinson? Um, well, first, you should know that uh, when you mentioned before in the synopsis, I've never seen Twilight, so I don't know if you have. Um, <laughs> I have. If you have, that's up to you. I mean, if you want to see it. <laughs> but I mean, he. I mean, he's definitely been coming along as like his own actor after Twilight, and even before Twilight, after being in one of the Harry Potter movies. Um. He, yeah, I mean, he, um, even for that of a supporting role that he was in, he was still, he's still coming across very well as a versatile actor. I mean, it's, it's obviously different than his other roles, especially if you saw The Lighthouse, a far different movie. Um, but yeah, no, I thought, I thought he was fine, at least in the whole, like, it was kind of, buddy cop in a way but i mean they both worked off each other very well so yeah i i think what's really interesting in this is uh he he remind me of like a uh, joseph gordon levitt right where <laughs> levitt yeah levitt um where uh christopher nolan took him from that teenage actor type of role and bring him into adulthood, so to speak, uh-huh. of of acting. And uh-huh. and it, what's interesting is that it was Christopher Nolan that did that in uh, in Inception, and that he is doing that with him in Tenet. And it, uh-huh. it, it it's got to give it to definitely Christopher Nolan's credit that he has this eye for these actors that they can just bud and um, grow and take it to the next level. And I think that's what we witness here is how um, he has just really become his own actor. Now, you know, the next role I believe he's coming out with is in Dune. So it it seems like he's, this is almost like a precedent, but I I really like these two together. I thought they acted really well. And then um, I also really liked, uh, um, uh, what's his name? That's so Kenneth Branagh, I would say, played a very good um uh, villain. I would say he still has that creepiness uh to him, and I I think I liked him a lot. And I gotta say, um, probably my least favorite actor in this was um Elizabeth Debicki, Cat. Um, and I think that you know if we're gonna make a segue here from. Tom, I'm, I'm trying to be spoiler-free. I felt this character just um, was a boat anchor of the whole film. I I thought just she that's didn't a belong. Good, that's, a, that's a very good metaphor to use if you see the movie. <laughs> um, I'll leave it at that. No, very, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think that she was kind of a boat anchor to this. Uh, I think her part kind of jumbled everything. And, and Tom, it's one of those situations I felt like a character is put in there because you needed a female character 
and she just felt like um, she was like one of those gloves that didn't match, but you had to wear it anyway because it was the only glove you had. That's what I felt mm-hmm. like she was in this film. Do you, do you feel like it was a was it due to the poor writing? Was it due to the director not being able to flesh out the nuance in the character? Or do you think there was material there that just got fumbled around? I think it was one of those things that she was necessary to the plot, um, but she hung around too long. They made her more important than she had to be. And I thought that because she wasted too much space on the film, that stopped you from really, you know how that you could have, you write a, a character in and you have to have, this person has this many lines and this many things that's going on with this character in the story. And if you took that person out, you could actually develop the story a little more cohesively so people could actually understand it better. Now I'm going to use Inception as a, a reference and the, with Leonardo DiCaprio's wife in that, she was a part of the film, but she wasn't like, stuck in there for an ill-gotten purpose and that's what i felt like this character was i don't think she filled the role like inception and i think that's what christopher nolan was trying to make her be a part of because i know that she was this connection to another character but i felt like she just stuck out too much that's kind of my perspective it's important for two characters too at least for two Mm -hmm. characters in this too and you should also mention you know i don't think you were but i just for listeners you know uh de becky is has been great in movies i don't think she's as she's she's obviously very talented uh you know she was in that one movie widows uh right either last year or two years ago i can't remember two years ago. um but yeah uh she i guess again i'd have to see it but i still think you know she does well with the material that she is given for right. yeah but do you, what do you think is a character within this? I, did you, am I wrong? Am I off base? I mean, this is, I just, no, I just I mean, felt like, like this was missing. Well, a little bit. I mean, I get, I do kind of like your comparison to the, uh, character of the wife, of Leo's wife in Inception, which both of which, like, well, they drive the other main characters in different ways, you know? Right. I mean, there could be, like some form of and you know reason why they both drive their protagonists in, in different ways, but again, I'm not so sure. I mean, I guess I can agree with you more on Inception mainly because it, in the long run, I liked Inception more. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Again, like we've said, this is like every Christopher Nolan movie. This is a movie you can't just be like one and done. You have to watch it yeah. more than one, like in the double right. digit. <laughs> yeah, this definitely felt like my first go at it. Um, mm-hmm. it. It was one of those things that it just didn't gel for me. And I think where Inception, it gelled for me with that relationship, how there was a mystery, but there was also a background. I don't think there was much of a mystery or a background here. I think it was more or less she was a reason. Um, uh, to be a driver and she didn't have to take as much film space up as I thought she should. Oh. And that happens in movies. I think sometimes you have a really good actor and you're expecting 
are hoping and you'll think that they're going to they're going to fit in really well and for whatever reason whether it's due to writing directing or whatever it just doesn't quite do exactly probably what the creators are hoping for as well and is there anything else that you'd want to say about the acting and the the characters in this or are we ready to transition over to cinematography and visual aesthetic mark i'm going to actually give that baton to you so if you would describe this um visually and production wise how how would you rate this within christopher nolan's well, visually, I mean, obviously, you know, when you go to a Christopher Nolan movie, which we've, you know, learned at one point or another in our lives, we're going to, you know, see something spectacular. And here, for the most part, it, it was basically just that. Um, you know, he's, as you all probably know, he was one of the people vying and fighting to make sure this movie was released in theaters, not because of anything political with COVID-19 or anything, but because he knew this was a movie that had to be seen on the big screen. It was a big screen movie. And I totally agree with that. You know, I mean, you wouldn't, this isn't the type of movie that's like, oh, I'll check it out someday on my iPhone or something like that. No, that's ridiculous. I mean, Obviously, the visual. There's a friend of mine who sees movies who wasn't impressed with the visuals, and I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but I mean, it. But at the same time, he he still sticks to the story far more than he does to the visuals. He doesn't just rely, you know, clearly on visuals. Like, oh, don't worry if the story doesn't make as ridiculous, because the audience will just be looking at you know visuals. No. He puts story in front of the visuals as far as right. importance goes. Now, when you guys say aesthetics, are you just talking about it visually? Because there was one thing I was going to get into, but it wasn't technically like on cinematography or anything like that. But right, I can go say ahead. Go ahead. Later. Okay, so this has nothing really to do with the visuals, but for me personally, the biggest issue I had with the movie, maybe it was just me, it is really loud. Putting it bluntly. It is very loud, and a lot of that, and that actually sometimes drowns out some of the dialogue, too, honestly. Yeah. And one that the biggest surprises that I had, I don't know if you felt this way, though, but, you know, I stay for part of the credits, and I realized that the person that Nolan normally uses for music, who is the great Hans Zimmer, is actually not the person who did the music for the movie. And it sounds very much like a Nolan movie, so you would think that it was a Hans Zimmer track. But instead, it was, uh, oh jeez, sorry, I just lost it, I'll find out here in a sec. But, <laughs> yeah, sorry. But no, and I, I'm sure it's a great job of composing and stuff like that, I, but at the same time, it's just, it was really loud and just drowning out a lot of dialogue making it even a little bit more difficult to hear that period is sorry it was uh Lud- ludwig gorason gorason yeah yeah and he's and he's not like a bad composer at all either i mean he's you know he's won an oscar actually for uh black right. panther he did black that panther, yeah. he did uh the creed movies he does the mandalorian it's just here it seemed like the music was really really just 
the forefront of everything. Yeah. And I was, like, almost asking for subtitles at some point. So, I don't know if you felt that way, but that's how it was, at least for me in the theater. Yeah, it was funny. Did you go see it in Cinemax, or is it a regular no, IMAX? No, it's a regular theater. I didn't see it in, like, RPX or whatever it's called. Yeah, I had a friend of mine that saw it in IMAX, and I can only imagine how loud it was in there. Um, because, it, yeah, it was loud. It was boomy. Mm-hmm. Um, Even I, for I a Nolan movie. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that you say that, because, interesting enough, the theater that we were in, I think they actually turned down the volume a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, which I thought was was very good. I, I What really stood out in this movie, and I think what Christopher Nolan is also known for in a lot of ways, is his stunts. And I would, I would say, Tom, what's interesting with Christopher Nolan is he has stunts with meaning. Not like stunts like Transformers. I wouldn't say mm. stunts, stunts with meaning. <laughs> uh, he, he uses, uh, I tell you, he does a new thing. You know, you know, there's movies like uh, Mission Impossible, Mark, where it's like we have to one up ourselves or even Fast and Furious. You have to one up yourself like, okay, we did this. We're whipping a bank through a city. Now we have to do a tank on a bridge. So it's it's constantly one up himself. For Christopher Nolan, he definitely one upped himself in this movie. Um, he did something in here. I was like, holy smokes! I don't think I've ever seen that before. And uh, let's just say it involves an airplane. And uh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, how did I forget that? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Tom, it was it was you forget sometimes when you're at a Christopher Nolan movie. Not only is it going to be boomy, it's not going to be loud. The story's going to be probably complicated, but there's going to be some great stunts in this. Uh, just think mm-hmm. of Batman when he's under in lower mm-hmm. whacker, with mm-hmm. following Joker around down there and what they did for stunts. And uh, anybody who's listening and not in the Chicagoland area, um, it, when he did the Joker movie and uh, for Batman, mm-hmm. they were in lower whacker of Chicago, and the stunts down there is just amazing. Well, he did some incredible stunt work here, uh, which was just uh, amazing in itself. And so now, it, it not only is it a science fiction movie, but there's a lot of great stunts. It, it reminded me of a great, kind of a Mission Impossible slash Christopher Nolan movie. I mean, to put it mildly, don't you think, Mark? Yeah your stunts with meaning and then mentioning how it wasn't like transformers so that was that one was i love that it sounds like with tenet this is like i like to use the g word granular where they kind of focus in on certain things where the kind of the aesthetic feels lived in um it doesn't have to be dirty but it feels like an actual world that exists versus cgi heaven yeah yeah i think he, he did that quite a bit actually i mean it's a good comment Tom, um, it did seem like a lot of it was CGI. There were some incredible stunts that uh, were done on sides of the building. That uh-huh. when you see it, you're like, "No, that that's not CGI." There, somebody's actually doing that, and it made it exciting. But um, yeah, aesthetically, visually, a little loud. Okay, really loud, depending on what theater you went uh-huh. on. Yeah. Loud is yeah, loud is definitely the knock. 
Anything else with the aesthetic that we want to mention before we transition and start to land the plane and and kind of uh, transition into entertainment once and this, overall Once rating. you see this movie, Tom, you're going to realize how well put the land the plane thing is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, you're going to be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, we tried. Had to see it. We had to see it in the big screen too. That's you can't see it on the the sixty inch uh, t plasma TV or LED in the in the home. It's uh, you just created a double bind for me, Bill. I get to use my therapy degree, so now I'm not able to make a comment on this without going and seeing it in the theater. <laughs> and you know I'm not going to do that. So you placed me in a hole. <laughs> Well, hopefully when this is all said and done, they're going to re-release the movie. Oh, there you go. Yeah. When, maybe in 2022, maybe? <laughs> the vaccine 2025, is I think I heard. 2025, I heard. <laughs> so as we think about entertainment value and overall ratings, what do you think? Mark, I'll give you the floor on that one, too. So I honestly, I don't know how you do your ratings. I tend to do mine out of five because I just... From other websites that I've used, they tend to do those out of five. I I gave mine like a I think I gave oh wait sorry it's right in front of me yes um I uh, three and a half out of five is what I said which is good I it's definitely still you know even movies like rated like that for Nolan are still better than most you know, action-packed movies, certainly better than, you know, the Transformers ones. Um, I think uh, it's it's kind of in, like, the middle of his movies, you know? It's obviously not, like, his worst or anything, but I don't think it's his best at all either. I think, you know, he's definitely, his name, he still is one of the very few directors among people who are not, like, Bill or I, who are big cinephiles who uh, would know a lot of big-name directors, but he's, like, the one name that can cut through to people who see, like, one or two movies a year, and then it's like, oh, Christopher Nolan, you know? They know that name. Everyone knows that name. For anybody, you know? Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well said. Yeah. I I mean, I I gave mine... Yeah, I, it's interesting. I, I usually get out of it at 10. I, I kind of vacillated between 7.5 and 8, honestly. Um, you're right. It's not one of his best. Um, I would definitely say uh, it is very creative, um, mm-hmm. the way that he uses time travel. You know, what's also interesting when you use time travel is you make your own rules, and um, so you have to buy into those rules, and that always makes it interesting. Um, filming experience because you're, you're trying to figure out exactly how is time travel being used and in Christopher Nolan's world, what's the point of it? And so there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of what did I just see? And I got to sit and kind of understand it. I got to Google it. There's a lot of backtracking, right, Tom? That's, that's that what this movie does. Now, it isn't necessarily a bad thing because it's creative and it's science fiction. Uh, you know, H.G. Wells came out with a, a, a first atomic submarine when he uh, wrote 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So he was uh, way ahead of his time of um, even with, um, you know, travel at that time. 
So I, I think that Christopher Nolan is pushing the boundaries of creativity within science fiction, which isn't a bad thing. It's just it could tend to be a little too confusing. Now, what I really do like is there's some really cool stunts. Now, you don't want to say, well, yeah, the movie, to kind of Mark's point before, it's like it just doesn't rely just strictly on the stunts, but it's really fun. It makes it entertaining, right? When you don't understand what's going on, you're like, oh, wow, that, that was really cool. So um, I think that that's kind of where I'm at. It, you know, it isn't his best. I think out of the kind of the trilogy of science fiction, I would still put Inception um, at at its best. Now, Interstellar and and, and Tenet, I would say, is kind of neck and neck, and in, in for me in, in the science fiction. But um, you have to go through the Batman series, and of course, one of my favorite of his still um, is Memento. And that's so, that's honestly my favorite, to be honest. Yeah. If you haven't even seen Memento, um, prepare, prepare yourself. By the end of that film, you're going to be like, what did I see? And man, that was awesome. Yeah. So, so that has been our review of Tenet by Christopher Nolan. Any last words of wisdom, Bill or Mark? Just uh, kind of what Bill was saying for sure. Um, obviously, if you don't feel comfortable going to a theater, don't. But if you ever do see this movie, just try, just be willing to see it on the biggest possible screen you can. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well stated. So for now and until next time, this has been Heroes Garage. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Bye now. This is Michael Coe from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet. Only on the No Phony Podcast Network.